All right, welcome to another edition of Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Thank you for joining us today. As always, my name is John Vandergriff. I'm one of the owners and wealth planners at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I'm joined by Zach Hill, the illustrious um, man of mystery, great, you know, head of hair, uh, owns Remedy Coffee, uh, is our operations and, you know, will be both operations and portfolio management team leads at some point. So, you know, what we want to do today, like we do each and every time that we talk here is, um, you know, present some type of financial, uh, whether it's product, situation, current event, and talk over both sides of maybe pros and cons of that, uh, different perspectives, because the reality is, as we look at the financial industry, not everything is 100% yes, 100% no. We've got to examine, I think, both sides to get not only a clearer picture, but also what we need Mm -hmm. to be doing moving forward uh, to be making good decisions for ourselves and how we collect that information and put it together. So, you know, what we're going to cover today is a pretty um, heavily contested uh, (laughs) topic. Uh, from a lot of different places, you can type the word annuities into Google and probably get a lot of different types of responses, you know, in that first page. But, you know, all the way from the Ken Fishers of the world who hate annuities and think they're the worst thing that's ever lived to people who think they're the best thing that's ever been. And so, you know, with that being combined, I think, you know, getting a good explanation of what they are and what they aren't and whether they're a good fit or not is something that I think is important, especially in an industry when we look at insurance that really has no mandate for a fiduciary responsibility. Right. You know, so so trying to look at it from a somebody who is licensed in insurance on my perspective, you know, Zach comes from a background of the securities world, so giving that perspective, but also just trying to mm-hmm attach that fiduciary obligation that we take to everything to this topic and then kind of building on it and seeing right. where it takes us. So so Zach will take more of the negative side of why annuities could be bad or are bad uh, for some situations. Um, I will take the position of where annuities can be beneficial, and then we'll just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, see how that conversation evolves. So anything yeah. to add before we start? No, it's just interesting as you were uh, talking just there, I was thinking, the word annuities is a financial product, but it's it, that word just in and of itself invokes a lot of emotion with a lot of people, which is really interesting because if you say bonds, I'm just that word. I'm already kind of bored. But you say <laughs> they're really bonds can be really actually really exciting, but annuities, and I automatically have all these emotions and attachments associated with it, right. just from all of the different headlines and different arguments that I've seen, pros and cons, because it is almost a vitriolic topic within the world of investment and wealth planning. Well, and I think, you know, as you look at the background there, you're looking at kind of two different houses that are, you know, so if you wanted to attach this to something else, you've got kind of the political differences between Democrats and Republicans. You've got kind of the insurance world and the brokerage world that are really, you know, at odds with each other a lot of times, you know, and, and very few right. people are trying to actually bring those things together, you know, in that discussion. So uh, so I think yeah. that that's kind of an element that underlying in this conversation that doesn't get addressed a lot. Right. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. And I think um, it, just to kind of go along with that idea, too, is that the word annuities encompasses a lot of different types of annuities. So as yeah. we talk about this, I'm a, we'll talk about annuities as a blanket term, but there are a lot of different types of annuities that go under that. So like you just said, the insurance world and the brokerage world are at odds, 
but for some reason we have variable annuities that are a little bit of both. And so I'm not really going to spend much time on the negatives of variable annuities because we spoke earlier and the negatives of variable annuities are so heavy that they are regulated by both the insurance and the brokerage world. They're extremely heavily regulated. We could talk about We could spend a whole, I think, 20, 30-minute podcast on the pros and, in my opinion, mostly cons of variable annuities. But um, we really, uh, I don't think I want to touch on that much now. So we'll talk more about fixed annuities and fixed index annuities. There's all kinds of uh, things that we could cover, but I'll just use annuities to mean everything, all other types, but variable annuities, because those get their own special, in my opinion, negative designation. Uh, so, um, when we talk about annuities, what we are actually talking about is a contract between an investor and the insurance company. So that annuity is a physical contract. It's a little bit different from buying a stock or buying a bond where that isn't a contract. That's just an investment vehicle. That's a security, uh, that you buy from somebody else on the secondary market, or sometimes you can buy a bond from, you know, the government directly. If you want to go that route, that's really rare, but most of, the, most of the time are buying an investment on a secondary market from another investor. An annuity, you go straight to the insurance company and you enter into that contract. So um, one of the things that you lose when you enter into a contract rather than buy a tradable security is all kinds of flexibility because you're locked into a contract. Whatever the terms of that contract are, you have to abide by the terms of that. Mm. Um, and so when you think about just some of the negatives of annuities, you really are tied to what it says in that contract. And there are a lot of different ways to look at this from an investment perspective. I think one of the big things is the liquidity aspect. Uh, in the brokerage world and from my background, liquidity is one of the most important things you can have. I mean, you need to be able to trade your stocks and bonds and your ETFs and your mutual funds every day. And you need to know that if it says a dollar, that you can get a dollar out. And that if, you know, in 2008, money market funds had, had never had a floating NAV. And so, when all of a sudden people couldn't get their money market funds for a dollar, it caused panic. Yeah. Uh, and so liquidity just in the brokerage world is so important. I think when you get into an annuity scenario where that you have different withdrawal restrictions on an annuity, losing that liquidity um, can be a big negative. And so, and I know we, yeah. we've had the conversation too about, you know, most people think in retirement um, you have to keep as much liquidity or all your money liquid because there are so many different things that can happen. And, and I think managing liquidity is one of those conversations that we spend a lot of time with, with people on a daily basis. But I think, you know, if we look at our entire life, liquidity is not something that we're used to with investments in a true sense, you know, mm -hmm. because if you contributed to Roth IRAs, IRAs that have any kind of qualified um, designation to it, then you lose liquidity unless you want to pay a penalty until you're 59 and a half. Right. You know, so, so you think, and, and people get to retirement and they're like, okay, well now I've got all my money liquid. The likelihood of you needing all your money liquid all the time is not very high, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it is right. important. Yeah. So it's not a, it's not, Oh, that's not an important argument. It is. You've just got to figure out how to monitor that. Cause, right. Cause again, like, Anybody that is strictly trying to sell you annuities and fudge the numbers on suitability to where they can get all of your money in annuities is a terrible thing. <laughs> like there's a reason why right. insurance companies want people to have certain levels of liquidity at all times. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It's, in fact, it's a good thing for the individuals. But I think it is right. one of those things that is a, a very negative thing if in the wrong hands. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, because you can get a lot of that money locked up and 
um, some of the withdrawal restrictions that we just touched on, one of them, uh, just to provide some more context, one of the more common ones is 10% of your total contract value or the initial contract value per year every year. And so yeah. if you put $100,000 in, you can get 10% out in the first year you have that contract or $10,000. Uh, you can get $10,000 in year two and so on or whatever that contract value is. I'm assuming it stays stagnant. But that just shows you that you have $100,000, but if you can only access 10% of that, yeah. that's you lose a lot of that liquidity if you do happen to need all of that money for some for some reason. The flip side, like you said, is... Uh, you know, thinking about it at holistically as part of a lar- as a larger part of a financial plan, that is, if you account for that being your illiquid money and you have liquid assets somewhere else, you can easily account for this thing. And you know, we we were talking about this uh, podcast earlier today. Is when have we ever needed all of our money at once? Yeah. That's never happened uh, for most people. Is that you haven't needed every ounce of every dollar that you've ever made all at one time? So accounting for those things are easy, but just one of the things to watch out for when you're thinking about some of the cons of an annuity is you do have that limited flexibility. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is when you enter into that contract, they give you a list of um, investments that you can choose from. So if you enter into a fixed indexed annuity, for example, you have about five or six, sometimes you know, 10 different indices that you can invest in in that index, and then they'll give you specific terms around that. So I think that again just limits your flexibility where they say we'll give you the S&P 500 on an annual basis and you get some ty- some percentage of the S&P 500's total gain. Um, that is a lot different than just going out and buying the S&P 500. It's so easy now just to go to and you know buy an ETF that's the S&P 500 and forget about it with no restrictions. You have full liquidity, you have full participation. If the S&P's up 30%, you make 30%. Whereas in an annuity, you might get a 50% participation rate and you'll make 15% if the S&P 500 is up 30. And so you really limit your flexibility on that in that as well, because if you maybe you don't want the S&P 500, maybe you want to go international, but your annuity doesn't offer an international index. You don't have the option or the availability to move around that uh, investment as, as you wish. You just kind of are locked into those indices. And so that is another way that it just really limits the scope of everything that you can do with your portfolio if you are in an annuity because you have to just kind of be locked into the, that set of investable assets. Yeah. So I think that that's another thing that if you um, are if you are wanting the flexibility to do other things, then you can't really do that. Right. So I think that's that's something just to think about there. Um, and then the other side, like I just briefly mentioned, is you get a participation rate. You get you know, they'll give you every percentage of that index increase up to a certain percentage, which is a cap, or the participation rate, which is 50% of an index or 40% of an index's gain over that year. So you don't, it's uh, it's not a fee. The brokerage world would like you to think that it is because they'll say, oh, that's that's just a fee. It's not a fee. You That's just one of the uh, unique characteristics of an annuity contract. Yeah. So... Well, and I think, too, I don't know if you had this on your list, but, you know, the thing that I tell people a lot about annuities when it comes to negatives is they can be very complex, you know, as far as the way that it's set up. So I don't know if you had that on there. No, I was just going to say all of this is leading to the fact that if we want to talk about the S&P 500 and Apple stock, you can go buy an iPhone and understand what Apple does with an annuity the more terms and the more the more layers that we keep putting on this, the more confusing it gets because then you say, okay, I've got a participation rate in this index. 
with a spread. With, yeah, and, and cap. it's yeah. you you start adding all of these layers of complexity, which is why you mentioned Ken Fisher, who's really uh, kind of used that as his marketing tool to say, "I hate annuities. Everybody should get out of annuities." And he uses that, and he says it's because they're complex. Um, and so you just keep because you add in withdrawal requirements, you add in different participation rates and different spreads and part or in cap rates. And then you add in different indices and then you can only change those once a year. So you have to keep up with your anniversary date. And you do you, the more of these things that you layer onto it, the more complicated it can be to navigate through all of the different things that if you're not used to looking at any of this, I mean, you look at this and it looks foreign almost. Right. And I think too, you know, as we look at annuities, I think the lack of explanation on the advisor's part can be a problem for people that really want to present something that doesn't mm-hmm. seem that bad, but they don't want to tell the full story of it, which is where that fiduciary obligation is missing a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, some advisors are representing portions of contracts, but not fully explaining the pros and cons of it. And I think that almost adds more fuel to that Ken Fisher fire. Uh, to say like, oh, you know, what are they not telling you here? Which again, as an industry can be a huge problem. Like you've got to make sure no matter what you invest in, whether it's annuity or something else, you understand the pros and cons of that. Mm. But I think what's not helpful is sometimes the advisor that should know this either doesn't know Mm -hmm. all that they need to know or purposefully misleads in that way, which is definitely something that we hate to see because there are people that will come in our office that have an annuity that think it's one thing, but it's something totally different. Right. And so, you know, as we look at that, you know, I think we've hit on some pretty good cons of annuities, yeah. you know. Um, but I think it's one of those things where, you know, we, we've got to look and see how we balance some of those discussions, which, you know, we will do and, and kind of talk about the validity of a lot of these things because, mm-hmm. you know, as we look at investments, there's no perfect investment. There's no, well, there are situations <laughs> where most investments can be justified. So, right. so we'll look at it and see kind of where that comes from when we come back from the break. Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago? Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Let us plan for everything so you don't have to. Welcome back uh, to Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Again, my name is John. This is Zach. We're talking about annuities today. And, um, you know, again, we've talked about some of the cons or negatives of annuities, which is the, you know, limited liquidity, which is a reality. We've got also, you know, limited options that may be a part of that physical contract that you make a decision to go into. And then just the overall complexity that the annuity policy may have things in it that you have no idea. Right. Um, Because, again, like when we have clients that do have annuities. It's a thick book. It's full of legalese. There's lots of stuff that's going on in there. And so having someone that doesn't even have a clue of what's inside the policy that they sold you is a recipe for disaster in some cases. So so again, what I want to do is kind of talk about situations where annuities could be a good fit because we do position annuities for people. And I think they can be used very effectively as a planning tool 
But what mm. aggravates me from a conversation is when you see somebody who has all their money at a brokerage firm and you see that their advisor put $30,000 of their portfolio inside of an annuity and attached right. an income rider to it. And the whole purpose of that interaction <laughs> was so that that advisor could make a commission on money that had, you know, maybe not much going on or they were just looking for, you know, some people refer right. to as a commission pop, uh, which does nothing planning-wise. Think about it. If you put $30,000 in an annuity and you're able to get a 5% withdrawal on that, you know, you're getting $1,500 a year. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's going to buy your dinner once a month, maybe not do much to help you. So, you know, when we look at it, annuities, if positioned correctly, can be very useful uh, for many things that retirees are doing. But we also have to navigate some of the obvious problems that right. annuities present. You know, so I think as we start this, the number one discussion that we have about annuities is uh, it is the only place in the financial world today that gives us a guaranteed income that we can take for the rest of our lives. Now, you can do that through an annuitization, which is you taking all of your money or all of a bucket of money and giving it to the insurance company and then promising to pay you a payout for your lifetime or a joint income. And then once you they fulfill that, then they keep the rest of the money. So again, annuitizations are you know, a conversation that kind of goes into that variable annuity conversation of those things that give the annuity world a bad reputation, mm -hmm. I think. Right. Um, yeah. But even not doing annuitizations, you can do what are called guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits where you get a payment arrangement with the insurance company, you start taking that money out, you're effectively paying yourself first. But then if you outlive your money, the insurance company is now obligated to pay you that payment for the remainder of your life or you know, both lives if you do a joint yeah. income. So, you know, that combined with Social Security and pensions, you know, may be some of the only guaranteed options for income that we have today over a lifetime. You right. know, we can have, you know, income coming in the form of interest off of bonds, but we, you know, <laughs> yeah, we don't have 100-year bonds, you know, yeah, right now. bonds are not paying anything, so. Yeah, it's... and so, you know, when it comes to a pretty healthy percentage of what you put into something that you can get as income, I think annuities do a great job of that. But, you know, there are some problems even in, inside of that where, you know, inflation protection may not be something that's included in that. Some annuities have that, some don't. So understanding right. that that's a consistent income that may not go up, but it may free up other monies to provide for that inflation as well. So income is one of the primary jobs. And, and when annuities were born, they were born as annuitizations. So they were meant to provide income from the beginning. And since that beginning, they've kind of evolved into uh, more of an investment vehicle that has mm -hmm. income options to it. So, so as we look at that, you know, income is something that annuities can provide. Uh, the other thing is when you have fixed annuities, you have a safety of principal because the principal is fixed. It cannot go down lower because of market activity. You know, and if you have a traditional fixed, you can compare that a lot to a CD where you've got a fixed interest rate for the contract right. period. You know, so you're just getting that, but fixed index policies will take that fixed interest and instead of giving it all to the client, they'll use it to buy options and indexes that can increase the return potential. And so, like you said, right. limited indexes inside of it, but you've got a n guarantee of no downside when you have those policies and right. a percentage of the market increase. So, you know, as we talk about that, 
with the S&P, if we want to invest in the S&P, we have to invest in all of the S&P, you know, the good yeah. and the bad. Uh, with the annuities, you can get some of the upside with none of the downside. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the longer the term is, typically the more uh, percentage of the market you can access. Uh, but you've got to understand the liquidity nature of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but for where we're at in the marketplace, like you talked about with bonds, sometimes those type of annuities have almost become bond replacements from the aspect right. of, you know, if you look at just a traditional fixed, you've got a much higher interest rate over a period of time than what a bond will pay, especially mm-hmm. today. And then, you know, if you look at an index policy, typically they're going to give you that safety of principle with a, you know, a long-term average of, you know, four to six percent right. maybe over time, including some of those zero years. Yeah. And not ha- and having that zero floor is so important because that's, in my experience, that's what I've seen clients worry the most is they, is in the February and March drawdown where the S&P loses 32% and you get really worried. That's when you get really worried about your money. And then yeah. the portion that's in the, the, that it might be in a fixed index annuity, you look at it and you're like, I lost 0%. Wow. Yeah. And I'm, um, you know, potentially have the opportunity for, even if it's a small two to four percent upside, I mean, that's great. Right. You're looking at the market losing 30% and you're like, I, I know that I'm not going to lose any and yeah. maybe, you know, it's, no, and I, I think that's huge because as you look at it, you know, that that's when fixed annuities really shine the broadest is when mm-hmm. markets are terrible. When markets are good, you're having to look at it like, why am I making 10 over here when the market's up 20, right. you know, or 25? Yeah, you only care about diversification when you need it. And then when you right. need it, it's so valuable. Right. But I think that that is one of those functions of providing some diversification because most people think, oh, if I want to make money today, I can't do it in bonds. I can't do it in cash. So I have to take market risk. And, you know, right. with the introduction of insurance products, you can get a decent return. You're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, light the world on fire, but at the same time, you're going to have that safety in the times that you need it the most. Right. You know? And, you know, and hopefully at that at that point, you don't need to take the risk of the stock market to make those big returns. Exactly. That's, hopefully, that, I mean, that that's really attractive when you're 25, 30, 40 years old, but hopefully as you go into retirement, you're in, a, you're in a position where you don't have to take those big risks to get those big returns, and you can say, right. I am comfortable with 4%. And especially with a majority of your money. Right. You know, because <laughs> that, that's, that's where the difference is. It's okay to have money in the market long term as long as you're deciding risk-wise what you're comfortable with over a long period of time. So, right. so we've got income, potential, safety of principle with decent returns. I think security of the money because, you know, when we talk about insurance companies, people say, well, what happens if this insurance company goes bankrupt? For fixed contracts and life insurance policies, the insurance companies are required to have over a dollar on hand for every dollar of policyholder money. And so that's an assurance of the insurance company keeping that. But even if they were fudging their books, you still have FDIC-like insurance with each state's guarantee fund up to $250,000 of coverage per policy, which is great. Um, now, you know, as you look at it, sometimes, you know, to address one of your points, you said liquidity is something that, um, is definitely important in retirement, but I think, um, something that can be navigated, especially with some changes that insurance companies have made with annuities. They're recognizing more and more the needs of their clientele, which is people that are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and the likelihood of them needing money is typically for, you know, big withdrawals at, very end of life or health related things. And so right. most annuity contracts today write in provisions that allow access for that money to where if you're not just 
taking the money out to buy a Corvette or, you know, because you're tired of right. being in there, but you're actually using it for a very concerned and very likely purpose, sometimes they allow 100% access to right. those money. So that's something that you'd want to look at in the contract if you have it. Uh, the last thing I think is could be an opportunity, but I think is, is a misdirection tool for some people, uh, and it is the fact that annuities operate on a tax deferral basis. So some people say, oh, you need to put your non-qualified money in this so that you don't have to pay taxes on the gain potential. But what they don't always tell you is that gain is 100% income taxable. Right. So if you want capital gains, you will not find them in annuities, period. So that can be a useful thing, especially if you've got, you know, IRA money that grows the exact same way. So it doesn't matter. You know, there's no tax benefit or detriment in that Mm -hmm. environment. You put a Roth in it, you're still getting tax-free growth in it. Um, But I think that after-tax money for us from a planning perspective, we try to not put after-tax money in there if avoidable um, just so that we don't build a a taxable gain. But if you've got money that you're never going to take out, you want to give to your kids, you can run it up and make them pay the taxes. You know, that's an option that you've got. So, So as we look at things, you know. The conversation of annuities is not as easy or clear-cut as Ken Fisher may make you believe it is. Um, you know, and, and the reality is when we look at this conversation, Ken Fisher is 100% biased because he does not have an insurance license, period. So even if he liked annuities, he couldn't sell you one if he wanted to. He's a stockbroker. You know, so you, when you look at this examination, what we're trying to do here is present it from both sides because we're duly licensed to do both stocks and brokerage yeah. but also insurance. And I think anytime that somebody has a bias, you have to take whatever advice they give you with a grain of salt because, you know, yeah. what is the end goal for them? Are they trying to get you to do exactly what they do or are they trying to help you here? You know, yeah. so so I think as we look at this, hopefully this has been uh, something that allows you to see that there is some substance or substance to both sides of this argument. Uh, but again, trying to work in and see if the benefits of this could be something that applies to your life and try to build a plan around that, I think is the key. Mm-hmm. You know, planning is really the, it's not about a product sell, which is what normally happens in this conversation, but it's about how we work this in and plan for this as a very valuable tool that gives us some things that other areas don't mm-hmm. and how we work that in. So hopefully this has been beneficial. If you have questions, uh, info at blueridgewealth.com, send those questions in. We'd be happy to reach back out and answer those. But, you know, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Come back more uh, or come back for more in the future, back and forth conversations with Blue Ridge Wealth. John and Zach will talk over whatever it is. If you've got some ideas, also send those to info as well. We want to hear what you think. That's all the show, though. Thank you guys for coming and listening and replay it if you want to. Share it with your friends. That's what we're here for. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.